Um, we're going to get some context for the, the, the scripture here before we go into the actual message. Uh, but in the book of Psalms here, it begins in verse 1, and Asaph is actually crying out for God to hear him. Um, and as he's crying out in prayer, unfortunately, he's not finding any comfort. Um, he begins to pray and pray, and it's, it's just not working. It's, it's nighttime, and he can't sleep. He's troubled, uh, and he begins to pray. Um, how many of you have ever had a night, just by show of hands, that you've just had a night where you just can't sleep, and the first thing you do is you get up and you pray? Uh, a lot of times that will help us if we have one of those restless nights. Well, that's what's going on with Asaph here. He's up and something's troubling him. He cannot sleep. So he gets up and he begins to pray. Um, and actually, if you go through and study this whole passage, it, it's almost as if he feels like he's abandoned. He's praying and it's like, Lord, why are you not hearing me? Why are you not answering me? I'm crying out to you. Uh, but as he's praying and he's crying out and he feels this way, he begins to do something else. He begins to think, on what the Lord has done. He began to dwell on how good God had been to him and to Israel. Now Israel is apparently, at this time, they're also going through some hard times. Um, and Asaph, he actually asked a couple questions. If you jump back up into verse 7 of this passage here in uh, seven, Psalm 77, he asked a couple questions, and it's, they're more of rhetor- rhetorical questions. They're not questions that he's expecting an answer for. He kind of already knows the answer here. He says, will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Then I like how things begin to change in verse 10. As you look at verse 10, as he's asking these questions, it's kind of like he's asking these questions almost to change his own heart and his own attitude. And Uh, He says uh, that this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. You know, sometimes as Christians, what we forget is, you know, we we can get so down on ourselves and down in a rut. And we begin to ask these questions. Lord, do you not love me? Lord, why are you not taking care of me? But, you know, sometimes our attitude and our heart set is a simple change of choice. And we begin to, if we just say, Lord... I know all these things are bothering me, but I'm going to remember how good you are. That's our problem sometimes is we don't do that. That that verse there brings us to our text, and he's beginning to remember what God has done. Uh, I titled this message, Godly Meditation, because that's literally what he does here. He begins to meditate on the goodness of God. And if the Lord allows, that's what I'd like to bring this message on this evening, is Godly Meditation. Uh, before we do that, let's go ahead and go to Lord in prayer, and then we'll start. And dear Heavenly, most gracious Father, Lord, we do thank you for the privilege it is to be back in your house this evening, Lord. We thank you for this church and the people attending tonight, Lord. I pray once again, Lord, just keep me out of the way and allow your message to go forth. Allow hearts and minds to be attentive to what you'd have them here, Lord, and allow the message to go where it needs to go, Lord. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, there's a story about a man. Uh, he was running on a treadmill, and he had this treadmill set on a five-and-a-half incline, and he's going at a decent pace. He does this for about 30 minutes. And after the 30 minutes, he's deciding, okay, well, now it's time to do my cool-down, so I'm going to take and put the decline down and start my cool-down. Well, he hits the button for a decline, and the treadmill speeds up. He realizes, okay, something's wrong. This thing's not working like it should. So he hits decline again, and it speeds up again. And in that moment, he gets a little frantic. He goes, why is this thing speeding up? What am I going to do? I'm going to die of a heart attack on this treadmill. 
And then it dawns on him, hey, stupid, jump off the treadmill. <clears throat> as silly as that is, you ever been like that, though? You get caught up in the moment. You can't analyze things. You, you can't be rational. Life gets busy sometimes. And you're caught up in the situation. You're not able to think rationally. The fact of the matter is, we're busy. We all have things to do. In our lives, sometimes we get caught up in the busyness, and we just don't know how to take the time to slow down. Yet, if we could, then everything would kind of make more sense to us. Things would become more rational. You know, I I can remember back, uh, what was that, 21, 2020? I don't know when it was, when COVID really kind of sped up and things got really bad. And as a church, we had to close down for a couple weeks. And pastor had asked some of the men to come in during a live stream. And we were going to just talk about things, how COVID was affecting us and how the Lord was working in our lives and everything else. And he asked, he asked us a question and it, it was weird because I had thought about the question ahead of time, but it was like in that moment, the Holy Spirit really just talked to me and he asked us how it was affecting us. And the Holy Spirit just gave me peace during that time. And as he asked that question, it was like, I'm able to breathe. My life gets so busy when COVID hit and we were shut down and nothing was going on for two weeks. I was able to slow down everything in my life. Um, you know, as silly as it is, I was able to get up in the morning and, uh, I was supposed to do schoolwork with my kids. I I hate schoolwork even when I was in school. So doing it with my kids was like absolute torture. Uh, so to get our mind right for that, what I would do is I would take the kids and we'd actually get up and go for a walk in the morning before we touched any schoolwork. We'd go for a walk in the morning and it was, so amazing to me because I was able to slow life down. And as I'm walking with my children, I'm able to slow down and really stop and smell the roses, as they say. And I watch my kids as they're walking with me, and I see the blessings that God has given me in my life. I look around at the the creation that I don't normally take the time to look and appreciate, and I'm able to see how good God is. Something that I was taking for granted every day, and I began to meditate on those things. And I began to meditate on God and how great God was without distractions. Meditation is a good thing for a Christian. Uh, you know, that time has never left my heart or my mind. It was only two or three weeks, but um, God allowed me to begin to clearly think on Him during that time. You know, most of you know, um, some of you don't, but I had cancer. Um, and during that time, it was, uh, I had, had to go through some chemo and stuff like that, and I got pretty bad. Um, but I will praise the Lord because this month makes 10 years in remission. And I'm very, pra- uh, I'm praising the Lord for that. And, uh, you know, the, the doctors and everything else said a whole lot of things, but I got two munchkins back there next to my wife that doctors said I would never have. Uh, they're healthy and honoring as all get out. Uh, and I'm thankful for that. But during that time when I was going through that chemo and everything, it was, it was weird to me because we were actually going through the discipleship process with, with pastor. And at that time, I'm like, okay, I, I'm really turning my life around. And it was the first time in my life I've said, you know what, I'm putting my foot down and I'm serving the Lord. And then, cancer. What? That's not, that's not how this goes. I'm, I'm serving the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm turning things around. Why is this happening to me? And then I realized during that time, there was many nights when uh, I'd have to lay in a bathtub because I was so sick. And I didn't want, at that time, Landon was small. My wife, I didn't want her to see me like that. I'd shut the door and I'd lock it and I'd just cry out to God. I'd say, why is this happening to me? And through it all, I realized God wasn't doing it to hurt me. All things work together for the good of them that love God. I've never been closer to God than that time in my life. It was that catapult that I needed. It was that time of meditation that I needed 
to grow close to my Savior. I don't believe for one second that I would have followed through with my calling to preach if God hadn't slowed my life down during that time. I needed that in my life. You say, preacher, are you saying you needed cancer? Yes, I did. I didn't know that. God did, though. And there's times like that that happens in our life where God will throw something, a wrench in the plan, and sometimes we don't see it for what it is at that moment, but God is telling us, slow down. You're too busy. you got too much going on. You need to meditate on me. And we just don't do it. Meditation, that word meditation, uh, it's described in the dictionary to dwell on anything, a thought, to contemplate, to study, consideration of a great truth, such as in religion, to ponder. Throughout the scripture, we can find the Bible refers to meditation many times. In the Old Testament, in Genesis, we see that Isaac would actually head out in the fields in chapter 24, and he would meditate. In Joshua chapter 1, Joshua mentions meditating on the law, and he would do this day and night. Uh, you know, we just finished up the Christmas season, and sometimes one of the verses that, as we read the Christmas story and everything else, is skipped over the most, I believe is Luke 2.19, where it talks about Mary. All these things happen, the whole Christmas story unfolds, she sees it all happening, and they're talking about her child, she takes it all in, and she ponders them in her heart. That's meditation. She's beginning to stop what she's doing, remove everything else from her mind, and she's thinking about what's going on. This baby that she's bringing into the world is the savior of the world. That was a lot of pressure on that woman, I'm sure. And we can consider that a form of meditation. What we have to understand, though, is there's biblical meditation, and that's far different than what the world describes as meditation. You know, it's one of those things, the world's try to take a lot of things that are intended for Christianity and they try to rob it from us. Um, that's a message for another night, but I, I would say that this is one of those things for sure. Um, meditation is one of those things that it was intended for us to use. God wanted us to meditate. Uh, when we hear meditation, though, a lot of time we think on other religions that are not necessarily Christian religions. Well, you might think of Hindu or uh, the Buddhist. Um, they practice meditation, but that is not godly meditation. Those religions teach that meditation is sitting somewhere with an open mind, uh, sometimes mindlessly repeating a word or a phrase. I'm sure you've all seen it where they're, um, um. Uh, that is not Christian meditation, okay? That's nothing to do with Christian meditation. So understand tonight, when I'm talking about meditation, I am not talking about that at all, okay? Uh, even yoga. Uh, the world's taking yoga, and they want to use that as a form of meditation. Nobody wants to bend their body like that, Okay. <clears throat> But first of all, biblical meditation, it is not primarily for relaxation. That's, that's the world's definition of meditation is to help us relax, help us unwind. Biblical meditation is not primarily for relaxation. Now, I'm not saying you won't relax from it, okay? Because if you're doing biblical meditation, it will put your soul at ease. And that can help you relax, but that's not the primary intent for it. Biblical meditation, worldly meditation... They differ in one major concept. Meditation by the world definition is empty your mind completely. Focus on your state of enlightenment. Biblical meditation is fill your mind with the things of God. That's what we see Asaph do in this text. We see as he's, jump back up in your text here in verse 11. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also on thy work. And talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. 
Who is so great a God as our God? He's taking whatever's going on in his mind, this worry, this, this sense of discomfort that he's having, and he's saying, Lord, I'm begging you to take this away from me. You're not taking it away from me. Why are you not taking it away from me? But God, I know you're a good God. How many times do we fail to tell God that he's a good God? <clears throat> uh, meditation, it is a mental exercise. It is a process of thought. It's, it, it takes work. Meditation, it, it's described also as a result of prolonged concentration on one subject, an object or a thing. In our case, we're talking about God. So some folks say, well, isn't prayer when you focus on God and you put your mind on God? Meditation and prayer are not the same things, but I will say that they go hand in hand. Most of the time when we think of prayer, though, we think of the process of asking God. Um, you know, Johnny's hurt. He needs healed. This person's sick. They need healed. I need this in my life. And sometimes that process of prayer becomes a, a, a thing where we're just asking God for things. Uh, maybe things that we need or think that we need uh, and that we would like to have uh, for ourselves or others. But the focus is mostly on ourselves or others. And there's nothing wrong with praying that way. There's nothing wrong with going to the Lord and expressing your needs. Many times Jesus in the, the scripture says, ask, knock, receive, uh, or uh, seek, in order to seek the blessing that he can give you. But meditation goes a little bit deeper than that. And that asking for something is only one part of prayer. If we want our prayer life to be correct, it requires meditation. To be biblical, Christian prayer should include that meditation, concentrating on, thinking on, pondering on the acts and the goodness and the character of God. If we were to even look at his example that he gives in Scripture, the Lord's Prayer, as most of us know, it, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This is an act that Jesus is even expressing in his prayer life. He's beginning to meditate how good God is in the reverence for God. Hallowed be thy name. And often when it comes to uh, our prayer life, we rush it. Once again, going back to that busyness, we rush our prayer life. Uh, and I understand, you know, if you're sitting down with your kids and everything else and you're trying to eat because of practice and everything else, you're not going to sit down for three and a half hours praying for that food because it's going to be cold by the time you're done. And by that time, your kids are not in the same room anyway. They're off watching TV or something like that anyway. But our prayer life is not just when we go to eat. Our prayer life is not just nonchalantly when we go to pray in the morning or at night with the kids or whatever, our prayer life should be constant throughout every day of our life. Uh, you know, it wasn't too long ago I had a, a Christian brother call me out. It was just last year. Uh, he stepped on my toes a little bit, and I'm very thankful for that man. But he asked me, he, uh, he said, you know, brother, when are you going to preach again? I haven't heard you preach in a while. And I said, well, uh, you know, I've, I've been busy with work and everything else. And what this man said to me, it kind of took me back for a second. I wanted to get mad. But the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and said, he's right. He said, yeah, Satan will help you be too busy to serve God. Whoa, whoa, hold on. But he was right. You know, if we get too busy to serve God or even go to the Lord in prayer, don't expect God to do things for us. I needed that. Maybe you did too. That's not even part of the message, but maybe you needed that. We all have things going on. Uh, sometimes we pray because we need to. Uh, we know God's told us to in Scripture, so we go to pray because, okay, it's something that we have to do. And sure, we full-heartedly mean what we're praying, but we cannot have that proper prayer life without meditation. 
When we go to pray, our prayer life should be focused on Christ. Uh, <clears throat> we were allowed to be welcomed into the family of God, but not for no purpose. When Christ accepted you into his family and he saved you, he saved you for a purpose. When we go to prayer, our attention should be on that character of God. He saved you for a purpose. When you go to him in prayer, have a conversation with him. Start off by telling him, God, thank you for saving me. I'm sure he does not get tired of hearing us thank him for that. What he endured on the cross, I'm sure he never tires of hearing us thank him for that. Uh, Which brings us to another point of our meditation. Uh, Even when we go to uh, the Lord in prayer and we focus on those things, we should be focusing on those things and the character of Christ, which is revealed to us in the Word of God. Well, how do we know what the character is of Christ in the Word of God if we're not in the Word of God? Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of of soul and spirit, and the joints and marrow, and the discerner of thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Word of God is holy. I think we can all agree on that. I'm hoping we all agree on that. If not, you're in the wrong church. But we don't act like it. As Christians, we don't act like it sometimes. We nonchalantly, uh, okay, we get done with church and we throw our Bible in a cupboard or in a cabinet on a desk or whatever, and we don't pay it no attention. Uh, I tell you what, most of us, we we have these wonderful little devices in our pockets that we carry around, ladies maybe in the purse. Uh, We carry it with us everywhere we go. We make sure we have it, and if we don't have it, We're going to turn back around to the house to make sure we go get it. Do we treat the Word of God that way? Is our cell phone more important to us than the Word of God? If so, we have a problem. As we begin this new year, a lot of folks uh, start these reading plans, like Pastor was talking about. Um, I told my wife I won't get church because I'm I'm not preaching against what Pastor's doing, okay? I'm not. But uh, the problem I have with reading plans is a lot of times we put this reading plan in front of us and we read the Word of God to say we read it. That's not what the purpose of that is. The Word of God was intended for us to dwell upon it. Reading the Bible is not enough, church. It is not enough. We all know the verse, 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Look, the, every preacher says it, and I'm going to say it too. The day and age that we live in is more wicked than the previous one. But guess what? The one after this is going to be even more wicked. We need the Word of God. But we need to not only read the Word of God, we must study and dwell upon it. That requires meditation. You need to find yourself a quiet place or uh, somewhere where you can go, take your Bible, and read it. And I know a lot of people will say, Preacher, I, I, there's parts of the Bible that I don't understand. That's okay. Find a different spot to start. Go to Genesis. Go to one of the Gospels. If you have a reading plan and you want to follow it and you're just not understanding it, guess what? You don't have to read it once. Read it again. And read it again. First uh, Peter 1.2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The word of God is to help us grow. It's not just there for us to read it and, oh, everything's going to be opened up to us. Growing sometimes hurts. I used to have growing pains as a kid, uh, and my legs would hurt so bad. You know, sometimes as a Christian, as we're reading the Word of God, we're just like, ah, just, I don't get part of this. That's okay. You know, the primary reason for that? Let's go back to the subject I had before, prayer. How many times before we open the Word of God to read it, do we stop and pray? Lord, 
I'm going to read your word. I need your help. I need to know what you want me to get from it. And I, I need you to open up the, the scripture for, for what you need to give to me from it. We just nonchalantly open the Bible. We have a reading plan in front of us. Okay, I've got to read Genesis 1 through 3. I'm a fast reader. I can read pretty fast, but I won't retain any of it if I read it fast. And that's the problem is a lot of times we get these reading plans and we'll go through and we, we just want to get it done to say we, we have it done. I, I had one of them on my phone for a while and it irritated the snot out of me because uh, it would alert me when I wouldn't mark it off that I had done my reading. Well, the problem is, is when I go to read, sometimes it takes me a little bit longer to comprehend than others. So I'd have to read it three or four times. So I might have been supposed to be on Genesis chapter 7, and I'm on Genesis chapter 2 because I've read Genesis chapter 1 four times. Okay? And that's just the person I am, plus I go down rabbit holes. Okay? So I'm like, oh, that's cool. Let me go somewhere else in the Bible and read this. Okay? But we don't want a, a Bible reading plan to be the only reading we do. If you want to have a Bible reading plan, that's great. Go with it. But dwell on the Word of God. Don't just read it to read it. Read it in the morning and read it again at night if you have to. That's what Joshua said. Meditate on it day and night. Um, and then we read the Word of God. Um, the, the problem is sometimes, once again, going back to that busyness. You know, we get busy. Like Pastor said this morning, if you don't set that time aside in the morning, he can't get to it. Uh, for me, I'm definitely not a morning person. Uh, and if I'm going to get my reading in, normally it's at the end of the day. Uh, I'm much more of a night owl. Malia and the kids go to bed way before I do. Um, so for me, I can go downstairs in my office and I can open the word of God and I can read in my office. Okay. Um, but parents, here's the thing. Grandparents, here's the thing. Okay. Um, we need to be reading the word of God. If we love our children, that's part of meditation too, is we can't know how to be good parents or grandparents without the word of God. And, you know, um, as a father, it's, it's not so hard for me to look at my kids. Uh, you know, we've been on Christmas vacation or whatever, and I'm the type of dad, you know, my kids are like, I'm hungry. I'm like, there's a cabinet full of food. Go make some food. Uh, my, my wife, however, on that hand, she goes, what do you want, baby? And then she makes, you know, a whole four, full course meal for them. Um, and that's, how, that's just how moms are, and God love you mamas. But um, here's, the, here's the thing, parents. If we stop and we, we don't do what God is requiring of us, if we don't get that reading in and we stop to fix every boo-boo, every little fight and everything else, we're doing a disservice to our children. We're not going to be the parents that we need to be. If we don't have that time to meditate on God and his word, we're never going to be what God wants us to be as children or as uh, parents. And when we sit down to read, uh, we have to get rid of distractions. Uh, maybe you're a little bit like me. Uh, some folks like white noise. I do not like white noise. Uh, white noise distracts me to all oh, get out. Okay. But I will go in my office and I'll put on some piano hymns and I'll turn it down to like two so I can just barely hear it, but I don't have no white noise going on. Um, and that's what I need in my life to be able to sit down and read and focus whatever it takes for you to be able to stop your life, get rid of the distractions, grab the word of God and read it and meditate on it. That's what you need to be doing. <clears throat> that way you can fill your thoughts with the things of God. Going back to this Christian meditation, it requires work because it requires us taking our thoughts and purposefully focusing them on something. Concentrating for me is a difficult task. Uh, <clears throat> when we try to concentrate too much on some things, our wine, minds begin to wander, especially for me. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm a different person than most. Uh, some folks can sit there as pastors preaching and they can take notes. Uh, if you see me doodling, it's not because I'm not paying attention. But if I'm trying to focus on writing notes, 
I can't focus on what pastor's saying. Um, so whatever it takes for you to get into the Word of God and focus your thoughts, do it. Okay? Not everybody's the same. God has made us different, and that's a beautiful thing about creation is we're all different. But whatever it truly takes for you to get focused, uh, the Bible gives wisdom in that area. Uh, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not things on earth. Here's the thing. If we set our affections on the things of God, if we set our affection on wanting to understand when the, when the pastor's preaching, understand uh, when we're reading the Bible, understand that when we go to the Lord in prayer that we need to be meditating, then those affections change our mind. They change our heart set. They change how we're meditating on God. <clears throat> and also, in the Bible in Romans chapter 12, it tells us that we are to be transformed. Most of us know Romans 12 too. I'm not going to quote it. But we are to be transformed, and that's to be done by the renewing of our what? Mind. We've seen that that requires us to renew our minds. That means to meditate. We have to stop what we're doing, and we have to purposefully focus on God. It's not something that just happens. You know, we have to purposefully focus on the things of God. And here's the thing. If we can't control our minds, then we have a problem. Because if our human minds are allowed to wander and we don't get them focused on God, we're going to allow our minds to wander on things that are not of God. That's why meditation is not just, a, oh, I'm going to purpose in my mind to do this today for this amount of time. We should constantly be meditating on God. Sometimes it's not about a silent focus on God. Um, you know, sometimes it's about a verbalizing focus on God. Uh, the Bible refers to that as praise. You know, praise is part of meditation on God. It's a vocalized expression of love. Uh, we can praise God in song. You can meditate on God anywhere that you're at. You know, there's times that uh, I might wake up in the morning, I take a shower, and I start singing hymns in the shower. And I, I start singing these hymns, and I, I start chuckling myself one because the whole family has to hear me singing. Uh, but if you begin to think about the words of those hymns, you can't help but chuckle a little bit with joy. Because if you're thinking about how good God is, it should bring joy in your life, especially if you're a child of God. Um, and once again, I know that because the, the world has defined meditation as complete quiet, sometimes we don't want to think of meditation as singing. But we can sing praises to God as part of our meditation. When we come to church and we sing, um, I got news for you. You're not singing for the person next to you. You're not singing so somebody else can hear you. You're singing to God. You're singing to praise God. That's part of Christian meditation. If we want to truly be meditated on God when we sing, we should focus on the words of those songs and understand who we're singing those songs to. Uh, we need to pay attention to those words. I truly believe as Christians that we can all benefit from more meditation in our lives. If we want to meditate on the things of God, then our meditation should carry over into our worship. It should carry over into our families, into our jobs, and every aspect of our life. If we want to truly have this godly meditation, that means we're taking things that are normally filling our lives. Oh, we have to do this, have to do that, have to do that. That's fine. Keep all those things there on the back burner. But put God first. The problem is, once again, Satan has designed this world in a way that all these things are coming at us all the time. All these flashes of busyness. And we don't take the time to put God first. We put him on the back burner, which never allows us to have that time to meditate on God. <clears throat> and really, if you think about this, um, 
this thing of meditation, it, it, it goes right along with our theme from, from last year. He is greater than I. We, we must, if we want that true meditation, we must understand God is the most important thing in our life if we're a Christian. Uh, you know, one of the hardest things I've had to choke down, because I take pride in, in my job, I take pride in my work, but one of the things I had to choke down was understand, my job is not my priority. God is. And then my family. And then my job can come along somewhere in the background. Like Pastor said this morning, I don't go to work to, to work and then just provide for my family. I go to work so that I can bring my whole family closer to worshiping God. And it's this there to aid me along the way. That job that you have was given to you by God for that reason. And if you're not going to treat it as such, God can take that job away from you. So think about that. Um, <clears throat> you know, as I thought about this thing of meditation, um, and I think about how well we could benefit from it, I, I think about one of the Old Testament saints here. And a man that walked so close with God, um, literally walked with God, that the Lord said, you know, I'm just going to take him. And that was the man Enoch. And I, I think about that, and I'm like, well, how, how in the world was he that close to God that the Lord just said, I'm going to take him with me? Well, it didn't happen overnight. Enoch walked with God and talked with God for years to get that close to God. This thing of meditation isn't going to happen overnight for us. It just doesn't. Um, we can't leave here tonight and be like, okay, I'm, everything's, take the TV out of the house, take everything away, and then our meditation be right. It's, it, it's going to take some work. And we have to get it right. And the, the more we practice it, the more we do it, the closer we're going to walk with God. We must clear our minds as Christians of all things except for him. Um, as, we, as we start a new year, we, we need to make some resolu- resolutions in our, our life. Um, like Pastor said this morning, there's some silly ones. There's some absolute silly ones. I did make one too. Uh, I'm going to get rid of all the, all the junk food in my house. I don't know how fat I'm going to get by eating it, but uh, I'm going to get rid of it all. <clears throat> uh, but seriously, as we think about this new year, and as Pastor preached this morning about beginnings, why don't we resolve to have a better meditation on God? As a church, as individuals, look, I mean, this, this building that, we, that God has provided us is beautiful. Our, our church attendance is, is incredible. These young people... Coming to our church is incredible, but it, it doesn't continue if we as a church, as individuals, aren't doing what God needs us to do. It doesn't. It just stops. Um, you can look throughout and, and see many churches that have grown and grown and grown, and now nobody goes there. Big, empty buildings. Why? Because people began to focus on all this instead of God. It has to start with God. Our focus needs to be on God. So as we start this new year... I would ask us as a church, as individuals, to resolve in our hearts and minds that we'd meditate on God. See where God has brought us from. Looking at what Asaph did here, he understood. I I, I don't understand why I'm discomforted right now, God, but I know how good you are. You know, there's times in our life when we just, we got to stop the busyness. We got to stop, woe is me, woe is me, and just understand God is good. That never changes. Throughout all of history, God has been good. God is never going to stop being good. But if we don't take time to dwell on that, then who else is going to know how good God has been? As we start this year, let us resolve to meditate more in our prayer life. Meditate as we read the Word of God. 
meditate when it comes to praise and worship of God. If we want to have a closer walk with God, we must start with meditating on God. Let me close with this, and I'll call Pastor up here. I don't want to fail in mentioning this. There could have been one here tonight or on live stream, whatever it might be, that's never accepted Christ into their life. And they have no clue what I'm talking about. That's okay. Ignore the rest of the message. But understand this. God is good. And God sent his son to die for each and every one of us. And he gives us a choice. We don't deserve his grace or his mercy, but he gives us a choice. We choose heaven or hell. It is that simple. But he gives us that choice. And if there's one tonight that all this stuff about meditating on God makes no sense to you, then just understand this. God loved you enough to send his son to die for you. One of the, the greatest ways I meditate, and I, I like to, we got this big fire pit out back of my house, and we like to build these big fires. Uh, I build them too big. My family gets hot. I like it. Um, <clears throat> but we'll go out there, we'll roast hot dogs and marshmallows and everything else, and we'll sit out there. The kids don't last any length of time. They don't like being outside. They'd rather be inside playing games and all that kind of stuff. But after we put, send them to bed and everything else, I'll go out there by myself. And I like to sit out there in my lawn chair, and I, I begin to look up at the sky. And I think about the vastness of how big the world is. And as I think about how big the world really is, and God just spoke it into existence. And I'm just a little ant compared to the world, to the galaxy, to the universe. Yet he loved me enough to give me a way of salvation. Forget the rest of this message if you're not saved. But understand that God loved you enough to save you. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, today could be your day of salvation. Start the new year with a new you, with a new birth. I'm going to ask Pastor to come at this time. I wonder with our heads bowed and our eyes closed for a moment. I wonder if maybe there's part of the message tonight that God is speaking to your heart about this evening. Maybe tonight there is somebody that's never accepted Christ as their Savior. You don't know for sure if you're saved. Friend, we'd be happy to take the Word of God and show you what God says about how you can know that you're saved, how you can have your sins forgiven, how you can know that heaven is your home. I wonder tonight, would there maybe be someone, and I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out or anything, but I would like to pray for you tonight. And you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if I died today. I'm not sure if I'd be in heaven. But I would like to know more about that. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Nobody else is looking about. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I'd just like to pray for you. Just slip your hand up and put it right back down. Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if I died where I would be. Friend, that's the most important decision you can ever make. Christian, have we just gotten so busy we just check Bible reading off of our, of our list for the things that we have to do that day? We just quickly run through a prayer list maybe without really stopping and asking God to work in our lives? We sing the songs when we come to church or maybe even at home, whatever we sing, but there's no real thought into what we're doing.
We don't really think about the words that we're singing. Have we really failed to meditate on who our God is? What a great way to begin this year. By saying, Lord, I just want, I want to meditate more. I just want to draw closer to you. Lord, like Asaph and like Job, I may not know and understand everything that I'm going through, but Lord, I know you're a good God. And there's a purpose for it. And I just need to draw closer to you. One day, I'll be able to understand. Because you're a good God. I wonder if their heads bowed and their eyes closed. We'll just stand quietly this evening. The piano is going to play softly. Maybe tonight, God spoke to your heart. Maybe tonight you need to re- make that resolution. Say, Lord, I need to spend more time in meditation. Why don't you come and pray this evening?